Welcome to I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast sponsored by Catero.com and the Savoy Educational Trust and hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. Today, we're talking about mindset versus experience and joining me to unpack this intriguing subject, we have Marco DeSimone, AIH, Rachel Webster, MIH and Chris Wayne Wills, FIH. Once again, a massive thank you to all three of them for giving up their time and opinion. So to find out whether a mature mindset can achieve the same results as experience, let's get cracking. Hello and welcome to the next episode of I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. And today we have a cracking topic as we delve into a subject matter that has intrigued me for years, but more on that later. I am, of course, not going to delve into this alone, and I'm once again joined by three wonderful humans from within the IOH membership who are all very kindly giving up their time to chat to me today. So... First up, and from within the fellowship, we have Chris Wayne Wills, who is the CEO of Carrera Hotels. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Phil. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, really positive today. Good, good, good. Where, where are you recording from? Just up in sunny Scotland, where all of our hotels are. So, yeah, it's been a beautiful weekend, and it's a beautiful sunny day today. So, yeah, really positive. Good to be here and, and looking forward to the conversation today. Fantastic. Yeah. I'd, it, perhaps you could just give us a little kind of overview of, of who Crerar Hotels are. Certainly. We've got seven hotels uh, throughout Scotland, most iconic locations, uh, the island of Mull, up at Nairn, for example, uh, right in the heart of Glencoe and places like Loch Fine. We are um, very much focused on delivering the spirit of Scotland through our authentic hospitality, very much hotels that are of their place and very reflective of the locations where they work in. We've spent the last few years with, with all the challenges that we've got through investing heavily in the group and continuing to drive quality. So all of our properties now are either AA4 or five star, number of resets, um, and we've just spent the winter developing three new real destination spas, which has been a um, fantastic addition to our portfolio. That's who we are. Fantastic. Yeah. And I, I would encourage anybody to just go on your website and have a look at some of the properties because they're in wonderful locations and they've all got kind of a unique point of difference as well that really sets them apart. So I, I, no, I'm a, I haven't visited any yet, but it's definitely on the list. The invitation remains open. Thank you very much. Yes, and of course, this is our second time of doing a podcast together, Chris, but um, uh, you can listen to Chris's story on my other podcast, but I probably shouldn't be promoting that on this podcast. But anyway, <laughs> thanks very much, Chris. I appreciate you joining us. And uh, next up from within the MIH ranks, we have Rachel Webster, who is the Business Development Director for Europe, Middle East and Africa at the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. Welcome, Rachel. Good morning, Phil. It's lovely to be here. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you. Yeah, from a not so sunny Cambridge, unfortunately. It's a little uh, overcast, but we did have the, the bountiful weather at the beginning of the long weekend. So we should be grateful for that, I think. Yes, and what a long weekend it was as well. Did you have any uh, street parties? Um, not right here. We've just moved house, actually, so we don't know anyone that well. It would have been a lovely opportunity, but um, we did uh, just edge down the road to Ely where there was lots going on. So we uh, had lots of uh, crown-making activities and flag-waving, etc., etc. So, yeah, good fun had by everyone. As you do, yeah. <laughs> we had uh, we actually had a street party in our close where we live, and I hadn't re I've been lived here for 10 years now. And I knew only about 25% of the people. Mm -hmm. It just shows you we need to all get out into our communities. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think well, I uh, certainly do anyway. We could have done a bit more here for sure. So next time, well, not next 70 years, but you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so just tell us a little bit about what the Wine and Spirit Education Trust get up to. Yeah, so we um, essentially we provide like globally recognised qualifications for uh, those studying wine, spirits and sake. Um, we deliver those qualifications all over the world. And as you said, I look after all of the providers that are authorised to deliver those courses throughout Europe, Middle East, Africa and India um, and here in the UK as well. So, yeah, we deliver kind of beginner level qualifications all the way through to diploma. So that's a, you know, a two year course. So, yeah, from beginners to what we would consider expert, but it is for trade and non-trade. So enthusiasts can absolutely do our qualifications as well. Fantastic. 
Yes, and uh, well, it's nice also demonstrating uh, that there are lovely careers in wine to be had. Oh, very much so. Lots of uh, lovely careers in this industry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Rachel. And then finally, from within our associate members, we have Marco De Simone, who is currently the restaurant manager at the iconic Shangri-La at the Shard in London. Marco, welcome. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, everyone. Thank you very much for inviting me, and it's really a honor uh, attending this podcast with all of you. Very good. Thanks today. Fantastic. Yeah. It's not, it's Thanks not, very much for coming. It's not as sunny as uh, probably in Scotland, as I'm sitting in London at the moment, but really look forward for this conversation with all of us. Fantastic. Yeah. The, I mean, the Shard, obviously, for those who are unfamiliar with it, is a world-famous property, but just give us a, a, an overview of of the property so basically um obviously the shard is the highest building in western europe um i'm currently the restaurant manager in ting restaurant which is situated on level 35 and um, we have different fmb departments and um, also there is another iconic bar which is gone bar situated on level 52 and that's the highest bar in western europe beautiful location we have 202 rooms with suites it's really an iconic building and I think every single person that comes to London must visit it. So anyone that would like to come, just feel free to keep in touch with myself and we'll be making sure that you'll be looked after with personalized touch and providing Fantastic. a great hospitality as we all recognize. And a nice little plug for the property as well there. Well done. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you very um, much. I'm AIH, a very proud member of the Institute of Hospitality and at the same time I'm also part of the Youth Council of the Institute of Hospitality. Yeah, and I was lucky enough to see you deliver a talk at the uh, the Belfry just a few weeks ago, along with Katrina, who's also been on the, the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, the future looks bright, for sure. Thank you very much, Phil. It's been really a pleasure uh, attending the event at the Belfry and seeing so many people that, like has a passion about hospitality. It is an industry that is recognized worldwide, but it's good to see that, you know, all the people come together after these two terrible years of COVID where we couldn't have a chance, you know, to stay all together. So really look forward for the future. I think we have seen and we are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, good on you. Everything is possible with optimism. That's why I always say. Excellent. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Great. And then I'll come back to you, Chris, if you could tell us uh, why you said I'm in to the Institute of Hospitality. It uh, actually takes me back to 1997 when I became an AIH. And I think back then I had just secured my first Deputy General Manager's job. And, and actually, I was a relatively early stage in my career. So I was just 23. So there was a, a part of me that felt getting some type of credentialing and, and working with such a well-known institution in, 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 in terms of the Institute of Hospitality and the, the credibility that that would give. But really, for me, it's been something that if you're focused on career-long, lifelong development and you're focused on seeing that journey through within hospitality, it's the absolute natural vehicle to do that for. And I've been proud to have been involved at certain times of my career, more, more active than others, but um, from an AIH through to getting the MIH and um, a couple of years ago, privileged to step up to becoming a fellow and I'm now a member of the Scottish Committee. And really, it's fantastic to see the, the evolution of the institution and what Robert's doing and the, the, the sort of changes that's happening because it's, it's bringing it right up to date and indeed future proofing. Um, and it just offers so many fantastic benefits to be, to be a part of. Yeah, here, here. I, I think the the energy around it at the moment. I've never experienced the energy that we have now, and I, I mean that stems from leadership, I suppose. And I've really, really got to stop making Robert sound like he's the best thing since sliced bread. You know, I, the energy comes from him, right? And um, and and getting people to come with him on this journey. Yeah, very much so. And I think what's fantastic about it at the moment is I, I'm involved in a a couple of different organizations such as UKH but also HIT Scotland our, our charity up here and I think what's fantastic about where we are with the institute now is it, it really knows kind of what its lane is as in it really occupies its space very well and the benefits still remain absolutely fantastic I mean you mentioned Katrina there earlier on as a guest I was her mentor through the mentor me program right and really? actually by being inspired by her being her mentor that she recently won the Springboard Ambassador of the Year, but that actually inspired me enough to become a Springboard Ambassador. 
So you can right. see this kind of exchange of, of value and support and ideas and things working fantastically throughout the whole institutional hospitality, really, yeah. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately how we win, right, is this exchange through the generations, through the different roles, through the different sections of the, the industry. There's so many good things. If we share all of that, then uh, then ultimately we, we win. Absolutely, and that's where anyone either, obviously at, at, at any level, the Mentor Me program particularly, I've mentored a number of people now through that, and I would say I've got just as much from them often insight from perhaps people younger younger than me of course but but the insights that 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 just flow of information both ways is so invaluable yeah absolutely super and rachel why did you say i'm into the institute well i couldn't really have said it any better than chris to be fair i think all right um... next marco <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I haven't been in the industry as long as chris and obviously my role is in a hundred percent in hospitality so you know, I work with a lot of people in hospitality, but also in retail and distribution, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I think, you know, I'm, and I'm personally at that point in my career where I, I know I can support people, I can help people, I can offer things. But I'm also very aware that there's still a lot for me to be learning, be picking up, you know, be um, networking with, with different people, with different audience. I've, I've still got a lot to learn. And the IOH is a, is a great place to, to do that. So it's, it's giving where I can, but also, you know, really, really kind of taking like a sponge in, in other areas. And I, I think that's really important for hospitality and, and all industries, really, that are, you know, so customer focused. It's it's staying relevant. You know, it, it's still um, having aspirations and uh, hope for, you know, how you can continue on your career going forward um, as it changes. You know, we've seen a lot of changes in yeah. the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, it's just being part of a community. We're, we're much more powerful and and better as a community and as a collective as we are you know compared to being individuals so yeah very important for us to to stick together really yeah absolutely and marco why did you say i'm in you've been a member for how long now almost a year um okay very proud to join the issue of hospitality and it's really been an honor to be welcome uh, to be part of the youth council i always say and i think you've already heard uh, during the discussion at the belfry hotel i have a favorite quote which is before you are a leader obviously success is all about growing yourself however when you become a leader success is all about growing others and that's probably the reason why uh, i've decided to join the issue of hospitality and indeed it's uh, youth council i'm really obsessed over customer experience and my aim has always been general to deliver health health hospitality to all guests creating moments of joy that truly matter so when i had the opportunity to join the institute of hospitality we are known as the aspiring in hospitality group that's why aih we are actually the ambassador of the institute and we are supporting the institute of hospitality i am in campaign um so this campaign basically allow uh, our hospitality family um, to speak with one voice uh, and proudly say I am in. As our uh, CEO Robert Richardson said, uh, more than a name, aspiring in hospitality is a mission statement. And it's good to see so many people passionate about this industry, but they will need a little bit of push in order to succeed and to you know uh, shine through. And it's good to have a regular meeting in order to discuss the future of hospitality and to really look forward to how the hospitality will look and share within ourselves inside of how to perform better and how to be a better person at work and also personally. Yeah, very good. I, I love the, the idea of growth and I love that quote and I do remember you saying it at the Belfry as yeah. well. I mean, you know, it, it's a great way to sum up yeah. leadership. Thanks, Phil. For sure. But uh, great stuff. Well, I think it's time to crack on with today's topic, which is all about maturity versus experience. And when I say maturity, I mean a mature mindset. Yeah. So my opening statement today is this. Can having a mature mindset achieve the same results as experience? And in order to kind of unpack this a little bit, I thought it was probably useful for us to just kind of discuss a little bit around how would we define having a mature mindset? And I, I, I'll kick this off myself because this was a topic that's, that I've had banding around in my head for years around, it was actually a quote from Back to the Future of all things. When George McFly says at the end, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. And so I always was fascinated by that subject in terms of, so if we can take control of our mind, 
can we actually do any job that's put in front of us? And I'll go to Chris. Maybe you'd kick things off by what are your thoughts on this? I would agree. I think that the industry has always been fantastic at developing people. And I don't, there are many industries that can give you that access to management and leadership at not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a, a young age to, re, to reinforce the point you were making, but at an earlier stage of your career, it's a real kind of rookie to rock star kind of opportunity Yeah, fairly quickly. I think the reality is the point on the experience side of things, there are things that you can only experience if you like through air miles as a, a pilot of an aeroplane or, or, or miles on the clock if you're driving, because there are certain situations that you've, you've dealt with them as they as you progress through your career. But in reality, it's it's not about whether you're qualified or experienced enough, because it's also it's all about growth. And that growth really does start when you do things that you're not qualified for. And I also think it's an industry that's been fantastic at giving people opportunities. And as long as you manage the risk within that opportunity in terms of, for me, as someone appointing people as heads of department or general managers, et cetera, you're giving people that opportunity. And I suppose it comes down to fair kind of seeking forgiveness and not permission. As long as the culture is right in any organization, you'll have the tools and the infrastructure in place to support people with the inevitable mistakes they might make. Yeah, totally. And I think it probably comes down to the specific role you uh, that, that we're talking about I suppose at the end of the day as you just said if you're training to become a pilot there's no way you can just step into a plane and fly it same with being a doctor and and all that. and same with being a chef I would suggest you're not um, going to be rolling out world-class cuisine in your first day in the kitchen but there's going to be situations I think in hospitality certainly whereby kind of being outside of your comfort zone in inverted commas mm-hmm kind of happens on a daily basis and there's going to be situations whereby you you none, none of us however long we've been in the industry will have the experience to know how to deal with it but it's how you manage your reaction to it yeah absolutely 100 percent. i mean the pandemic is a prime example of that right I mean, nobody had the playbook in in terms of knowing how to, to to deal with that because there was no experience of it before yeah very true rachel What's your thoughts? How would you define having a mature mindset? Yeah, I think, you know, I agree with, with Chris. It's having those tools and those resources and using them appropriately, you know, if you don't have that experience. So I guess with having a mature mindset, then predominantly you're looking at self-awareness. So you, like being aware of what you can, what you can't do, asking for help and support where you don't have that experience or you've never kind of been in that situation is is not admitting weakness at all in fact I would say that that's a strength so that to me is a real mature mindset saying I can do this but I'm going to need your support with this I've never experienced that so can we chat that through together and that's kind of balancing out some of that kind of emotional kind of capability and maturity as well having that self-control to be able to say no actually that sounds great but I need to balance that out with risks I need to apply some filters to myself so I don't get carried away etc um you know that ability to look at the longer term rather than the the short term instant win and I think in hospitality that's that's a real fine balance as well because obviously you're usually under pressure on a day-to-day basis as you said you know you're experiencing things um for the first time nearly every single day (laughs) you'll always encounter something you've never encountered before um so i'd say those two things self-awareness self-control you know emotional maturity um and having that accountability as well so again the ability to say yes i'm the one who's in charge of this and if something goes wrong then it's down to me so let's work as a team to make sure that things don't go wrong. Um, and if they do, let's look at how and why that went wrong. You know, let's stand back a little bit and assess the situation and, and go from there. Um, I yeah. do think open-mindedness as well is important. So we're not always right. I'm not always right, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, I'd like to no. tell my team I am. I'm definitely not, I know. <laughs> um, I'm definitely not. And it's that ability to say, okay, who's got a better idea than me? Because you probably all do. So tell me, you know, and respect that, listen to it. And treating people fairly with that as well. Like engaging people, involving people in in some of those decisions. And 
yeah, I think those kind of five things really to me would be a mature mindset where you can separate yourself from what's going on and watch and assess and be calm and ask people for help <laughs> if you don't know yourself. Yeah. Do you know what? I think that that in itself is such a powerful idea because I and I, I'm recounting my own career experience of when I'd like to think that I had a really cracking attitude when I first got into the, the real workforce after university and I, as a result of that I got promoted quite quickly with P&O Cruises that's who I was working with at the time and every time I got the offer of a promotion there was no part of me that ever said oh do you know what I'm not sure I'm ready for this yet uh, but actually if I was really really honest with myself there was no way in the world that I was ready for it yet and it took me probably until my second promotion to I suppose open it up as a discussion rather than it just being yeah no problem I'll take that and say okay I'm I'm happy to to take it but here are where my gaps are which I'm sure you're probably aware of so how are you going to help me get past the gaps yeah definitely I mean if you're being promoted internally you know within the same company then they absolutely should know where some of those weaknesses might be and where they might need to balance it out or support you like that's their job to do um yeah. and I would say that it's our job to say actually yes I agree with you that is a weakness and I really want to work on it so let's look at how we can do that you know together because if you're getting promoted into a position then you're not going to know 100% of how to do that job. That's the whole point. <laughs> it's using those resources that you've already learned, putting them all together and then building on that. You know, you're never going to be yeah. perfect for that position that you've just been promoted for. That's, that, I don't think that yeah. exists really. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Marco, actually, if I could come to you on this, because you've actually been promoted quite recently, if, if I've got that correctly. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes. So how, how to talk us through your emotions, your your response when the, when this kind of opportunity was presented to you? So the reason why uh, I came to London a couple of years ago um, is to follow my dreams. And my dream was to become a restaurant manager. So when I uh, got to that position, it was really excited. I was really, really excited uh, because all the artwork that I put, uh, it was recognized. However, I think that I agree with both Rachel and Chris. Uh, if we wait for the moment when everything is ready, uh, we should never begin. Uh, so of course, yeah. initially uh, when I was promoted, there was a lot of pressure. Um, I wanted to prove myself, but I wanted to do it in a number way rather than showing off in a way. So going back to your question, how would you define a mature mindset? I would say I really respect people that are being accountable and they take responsibility for their own action. Because, of course, it's good when people acknowledge us for something that we do great. But how do we react if we mess up? I think we need to own up our own mistake, be able to apologize because people in general, especially in hospitality industry, our team, they respect those who admit they were wrong and acknowledge our error and acknowledging our error gives us the opportunity to, to, to learn from it. So by doing so, I think we all grow as a person and we're definitely going to do better next time. We shouldn't fight back. Uh, we should acknowledge our error, listen to other people's opinion, because at the end of the day, they could be adding value to our life with their advice. Um, sometimes, yeah, we just need to let our guard down to become a better version of ourselves. Another thing that I would like to add in relation to this, uh, we need to embrace change because at the end of the day, life, circumstances and hospitality industry are constantly changing the way they look. So we could be perfectly fine today, but maybe tomorrow, you know, something else will happen. So we need to be ready for it. And I think that's where a mature mindset comes. We need to really be able to adapt. And otherwise, if you're not able to adapt, then we will spend our life being miserable, hoping that others change so you can be happy. Obviously, maturity could also mean evaluating your own life and looking for ways to adapt to change. Um, so while others complain, a mature person will look at the opportunities that exist and they will find way to use those opportunities in their favor, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, embracing change that um, helps, obviously, us to reach new levels in our life. Yeah, and I, I, there's two things in play here, I, I guess, is that one you have on the one hand, if you are experienced, yeah. i.e., you know, you've done a number of years and you've come across so many different circumstances um, and the like, and I'll probably point the finger at you here, Chris, a little bit, because 
I mean, you, you know, you've been around a bit. Um, but also then there's the, there's that, does the experience element inform your response um, to some extent? Or is, you know, can, can you basically take control of that attitude from quite an early stage before you even got the experience? And, and maybe I will actually just come back to you, Chris, on that. What are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> even with, and it's, it's actually hard to say, even with 30 plus years in this industry, I can be confronted with things on a daily basis that I've maybe, dealt, ne- maybe never dealt with before. And you've referenced COVID there, for example. I mean, nobody could have sort of predicted that that happening, etc. I yeah. I sort of, I've always quite liked the Richard Branson quote of you fake it till you make it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and the reality is that sometimes you do just, you know, kind of need, need to jump and have confidence that you're going to figure out how to fly sort of idea. And I think that in, in those situations, for me, it probably comes down to almost saying to yourself and to the organization, you know, like, what's the worst that can happen? As long as you try to do the right things, we're genuinely thinking about is intent being rewarded. And if you're intending to do the right things, then chances are you will get it right. And if you don't, as long as there's a culture and an environment where you can learn from it, as opposed to, you know, sort of being held, obviously everyone's got to be held accountable for something, but um, as long as you've got the support and if something goes wrong, you can sit down with your line manager or your, your learning and development sort of resource and just figure out what you would do differently if you did it again. Yeah. Absolutely. Rachel, any any comments on the back of that? Um, not, I mean, I agree, really. I think everyone has imposter syndrome, don't they, really? I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who doesn't have a degree of imposter syndrome. And I think um, that's really healthy for us. You, you've got to balance that belief in your capability with that experience, with that kind of maturity as well. But a degree of fear in day-to-day living is probably a healthy thing, you know, if it's, you know, to a small amount. And I think, yeah, it's just important to, to say every day, well, actually, I can still learn. I, you know, Chris, obviously been in the industry for a long time. We've still got loads to learn, still got loads to do and loads to offer. And, and things don't stand still. You know, the hospitality industry is really different to what it was two years ago. And I suspect in five years' time, it will be really different again. So we're all constantly having to reprogram ourselves and you know what what direction we are going in and taking our team in etc and it's just important to keep assessing that really yeah totally I, I i think it it all comes down to for me anyway it comes down to the fact that you you can control your own response but there are so many things that play their part in that that um that you know it's very difficult to say that you're you're going to react perfectly in every single circumstance that comes across your life because you just are not going to do that and it doesn't matter how much experience that you have with that as long as your intention is set and that your intention is positive then i don't think you can you can go too far wrong from that but who knows right every circumstance that comes up is completely different can you right i'll come back to you marco can you give me an example when of when your mindset and attitude have helped you through a situation where you didn't have the experience Obviously, talking about COVID, for example, as we've been discussed, um, I remember when COVID hits, I was proudly studying a level three hospitality supervisor level three apprenticeship. I was so passionate about, you know, attending this lesson and doing the exam. And all of a sudden, the fear of losing a job um, occurred and also the fact that whilst we were doing an apprenticeship, obviously I was questioning myself every day, is it still going ahead? Is it still not going ahead? And obviously there were lots of fears and lots of question mark around, but in that case, you really need to have a strong mindset. Um, not every single person reacts to, diff- to difficult situation in a positive manner, but once a person does that, it means that is improving and his mindset and his mindset is really strong. Uh, so rather than seeing as the difficulties, I saw it as an opportunity to learn from it. And if that makes sense, and make yeah. the most of it as well. Obviously, in general, difficulties in life do not come to destroy you, but they help you realize your hidden potential and power. And you, we basically need to let difficulties know that we are difficult as well, and we know how to handle these things, and we know how to deal with this. So at the end of the day, looking back, I was really proud that I still go through my apprenticeship. I was studying from home. I was attending Zoom meeting lessons. And we have seen things from a different perspective, probably something that 
we wouldn't appreciate two years ago. Now we look back and say, oh, well, you know, having having yeah. a meeting with a team. I remember even doing a briefing, uh, you know, it, it looks like a dream. So, yeah, I think you really need to have a strong mindset, but at the same time, keep positive throughout the difficulties, because at the end of the day, once you get through it, you look back and say, wow, I made it. And that will make you stronger. Yeah. And do you know, actually, you raise a really good point. And uh, this is something that I always struggle with because I, I like to think of myself as a positive person. And so when somebody around me reacts in a negative way, that's actually a trigger for me. And uh, my initial reaction is I can't understand why you can't see it this way. And that's that's a failure of my own attitude to, towards something. But, it, you know, it, it, I think what you've said there about actually identifying the fact that there are there are going to be multiple reactions to one thing and that um, ultimately we all have to get back to a position of positivity to get to where we need to get to. But that's a process. It's not necessarily something that happens immediately. And you've got to let people have their moment with it uh, as well, rather than forcing square pegs into round holes. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. Rachel, do you have any uh, examples uh, of when your mindset and attitude has, has helped you through a situation? Um, yeah, I was thinking about this this morning, and uh, there there was a, a summer. Well, I was you know, it was a long time ago. It's got to be twenty, at least twenty years ago now. And I was working in a restaurant uh, as a it was just front of house, general kind of waitressing. Um, and the owner went on on holiday, or went <laughs> for a month in the right. middle of summer. <laughs> restaurant in Cambridge. Now, the the benefit of this is um, it was a basement restaurant. So actually, a basement restaurant in Cambridge in the summer is not going to be anyone's first uh, port of call if they want a, a nice dinner because you're going to go somewhere on the river or outside etc so yeah. I did have that um, but he he decided to leave me completely in charge of the restaurant <laughs> and I had only been working there about four or five weeks so I really hadn't kind of familiarized myself with real day-to-day processes it's certainly not what was happening in the kitchen and anything to do with the office where you know the finances etc I really didn't have a clue, but I was like, no, I can, I can do this. The team is great. There's only five of us. It's brilliant. Everyone knows what they're doing. So I feel really confident that we can make this work. And um, it was terrifying. It was the most terrifying four weeks I've ever had in my life, I think. But yeah, we definitely made mistakes, but we had a good time. We had a smile on our faces every day. Um, everyone who came to the restaurant got got what they asked, you know, what, what they ordered. They got it on time. They were happy. And I think that that's job well done, really, considering the uh, situation. But yeah, I mean, that was a daily battle for me to go in, be positive. I'm generally quite a positive person. But um, that constant pressure was quite a lot for me you know I was 20 odd I suppose but by the end of it you know we were working like clockwork the team we all knew what we were responsible for doing on a day-to-day basis we actually kind of really sat down at the beginning of all of it and we're like okay what's what's the least we need to do here to make sure that this goes okay like we need to serve the customers we need to make sure that they're happy we've got a smile on our face so that's what we need to achieve let's not try and have the busiest month they've ever had in the restaurant's history that's not what we've been tasked to do so it was making sure that we were all on the same page about what we were actually trying to achieve yeah and we came out at the other end of it the only thing I didn't do is go to the bank in the entire four weeks so we did have a safe full of cash (laughs) definitely you know where where we used cash more you know 20 years ago so yeah I think that was probably the the riskiest thing but um yeah everyone was happy everyone was fine but and I learned a lot from it. So it was great. Like that maturity was really needed. I didn't have the experience. But by the end of it, I had a combination of the, the two. And uh, it was quite humbling, really, Yeah. Um, to be honest. And, uh, you know, you, you become very appreciative of those around you very quickly. Yeah. And then the owner came back and saw how much cash you had in the, the safe and <laughs> sacked you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was only really working there over the summer, so I suppose he, he didn't really need to do that. But yeah, no, he he was happy. He was happy. So that was all right. Yeah. And the restaurant's still there now. So, you know, it can't have been too disastrous. Well, you played your part. You played your exactly. part. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, have you uh, ever had a, a situation whereby you're I suppose as a CEO right because you've got to take an owner's vision as well as your own ideas which must bring up experiences very frequently whereby you've got to apply and uh, your attitude and mindset to it 
Yeah, I think the important part of that is is making sure there's alignment between fellow directors, owners, with what you're doing as a CEO, because you've you've got to follow their vision and strategy for the business, but you've got to make sure that it is aligned with what you're doing. Mm. And I think that as long as as long as that alignment's there, the obvious circumstance for me is of course COVID, which is very similar to what Marco mentioned. And you know, if, if we go back to the point in time I started this role, it was right at the very beginning of the pandemic. And at the end of the day, when you're faced with those circumstances, you've got choice. You've got the same 86,400 seconds per day that everybody else has got. And what you do sort of second by second and the, 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 the kind of decisions that you make. But I think for me, as you sort of get further into your career, and I know certainly in, in this situation, A, that, that, that sort of COVID challenges helped us to short circuit a level of trust between myself as the CEO and the directors and indeed the teams, most mm. importantly. But I think something that's really important is just understanding in your organization what your, what your relationship is like with failure. Because if you've got the sort of confidence to fail, I mean, you know, Mark, Marco used the phrase earlier on about 100% responsibility, but as long as we've got that mindset to cope, but also that you you don't fear getting something wrong. So as long as you're sort of failing first and fast and forwards, et cetera, I believe then that that it'll it, it ends up kind of working out well for you. Yeah. So for me, maintaining positivity and just having that self-belief, there is always a reason why someone gave you the job that you've got. People believe in you and you've got to also also sort of believe in yourself which I think is is just absolutely vital when you're dealing with those situations. Ultimately, that approach of we can't be working with a fear of failure. We've got to be working with an anticipation of success. So therefore, as long as we believe that what we're doing and and even when you you mentioned their owners, for example, Phil, if you if you adopt an ownership mindset, if you made the decisions that you're going to make in these difficult and, and situations you've not faced with before, if you make those decisions as if you own the business, I believe 95% plus of the time you'll get it right. Yeah, absolutely. But I, that point you make about failure, I think is absolutely, I mean, it's it's very, very relevant to leadership, right? Because I think there's, bad leaders will just lambast people for getting stuff wrong. That's that you know that doesn't actually affect anything positively in any way, shape, or form. But actually, by giving people and teams a platform to be comfortable that things are going to go wrong, uh, and what's that? There's a saying, isn't there, about if you want ultimate success, you've got to double your failure rate, uh, or okay. something, something like that. I don't. Somebody much better than me came up with that, but it's true. And I, I suppose it leads me on to uh, the question really around what can leadership do beyond that to ensure that the teams have the mindset to cope with situations because there will be circumstances where in say in a team of 10 people you have eight people let's just say who are, are experienced and two people who are really green and maybe very very fresh lacking confidence how do you kind of ensure that nobody gets left behind in that process of dealing with failure so if i may phil um mm. leadership is not about glorious growing act uh, is about keeping your team focused on a goal and, and motivated to do their best to achieve it especially when the stakes are high and the consequences really matter it, it is basically about laying the groundwork for other success and then standing back and letting them shine yeah i mean excellent leadership is about building up the people around you uh, we need to trust them we need to empower them and ultimately um, enable them to contribute their expertise so that the team can become more than the sum of its parts. We always say we need to lead the team by example. Of course, we have to. I mean, that's our responsibility as a leader. And if we give them the example of being calm against any situation, then the team will automatically follow uh, and their mindset will automatically change. They will understand that despite the circumstances, there is always a light at the end of the tunnel and before getting to this point, however, um, we need to do lots of self-awareness and absolutely gain respect from the team uh, through our action. Uh, how can we expect the team to have the mindset to cope with any situation if we are the first one that we show that we are not capable of, if that makes sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, Absolutely. Rachel, anything to add? 
Yeah, I think, uh, well, Marco's said, you know, I agree with everything Marco said. I think it's really important for those, you know, those couple of people you said that it might be a bit green, less experienced, etc. Like forging out, you know, a path for them is really important and giving them the opportunity to contribute as an equal, you know, as everyone else should. Um, giving them that platform to stand on and being able to contribute and feel part of that team um, and make decisions that... Um, you know, it is really important that they're heard, you know, and they're felt that they're heard as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that encouragement, isn't it? I think we've, we've definitely shifted from that kind of dictatorship model of leadership and management. We, you know, th- thankfully, we're nowhere near that anymore. We understand that people need kind of that mentoring, um, you know, support, continual professional development. We're always learning. You know, I will happily admit all of my weaknesses in front of my team quite happily in the in the hope that they feel comfortable contributing and not worrying if they get something wrong um, or if their idea isn't taken on that time because next time they contribute, it probably will be and, and it's really valuable. So um, certainly, uh, Marco mentioned about goals and no team can operate well if they don't actually know what they're working towards. So that that's a really important aspect of it is, you know, have that common goal. What are we aiming for? What are we achieving today, um, this week, this month, this year? You know, if you're looking at those, those long-term goals as well. So having that clarity is, is fundamental. But I think it's that kind of culture, that working environment. Um, and I think Chris uh, talked to this a, a little earlier, that, it's not a blame culture. There's nothing worse than pointing fingers. We all make mistakes, but it's what we do when we make them that's mm. the important thing. Um, and if you're constantly pointing fingers and highlighting those errors in front of other people, then people aren't going to be willing to take risks or contribute or join in with that discussion or raise you know, new ideas, new ways of doing things. And you're really going to limit that creativity that's happening. So absolutely, that culture needs to be relaxed it needs to be not blaming really open really communicative and that takes a long time sometimes in some companies to establish so it doesn't happen overnight and you were saying earlier about that positivity and if someone doesn't respond positively to something that's really difficult but you've got to understand where they're coming from as well you know what journey they're on because they might be on a completely different page to you. So you need to meet yeah. somewhere in the middle and, and be able to work through it. And it's that willingness to spend time with that person or people to, to be able to do that. I think we're all very guilty of being, oh, I'm too busy today. I'm too busy. Well, every time I say that, I'm like, oh, hang on a minute, Rachel. I need, need to stop because that's not fair. Someone's asked me a question and I need to answer it because actually it's probably bigger than that one question, you know. Yeah, and could lead to further problems. Yeah, absolutely. And could um, really open up amazing creativity from that person, actually. They just need a little kind of starter and and they've come to you and, you know, they deserve to to have that time. And um, I'm definitely guilty of that. And I think most people are, you know, we're in a really busy time at the moment. We're coming out of COVID, there's a lot going on. So yeah, it's that constant kind of, you know, leadership need to stop, need to look at what do people need? Have they got everything that they need today to be able to achieve what we want them to achieve? Because otherwise you're setting them up for a fall before you've even started. So Yeah, I think we need to come up with a, a phrase like um, anytime somebody says, I'm too busy to deal with that, a, you know, a pixie dies somewhere <laughs> or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it, it, that's, that's not taking responsibility, is it? That's just battening mm. it off. And yeah. uh, and hoping it will so- sort itself out and not taking ultimate accountability for it. But um, yeah. yeah, great. Well, I I want to leave because <laughs> I'm a positive person. I want to leave on something positive. And so I thought it'd be useful to ask you all if you have your own routines and tools that you use to to make sure that your that your mindset stays in in a good place. Because ultimately, I think leadership of other people starts with yourself right i mean you, you if you're not leading yourself properly then that the cracks will appear into other parts of the way that you lead so i'll come back to you chris what tools do you use to ensure that your your personal mindset stays in a strong place i think there's that sort of personal productivity plan all the good stuff that i think we're all aware of around trying to get balance and exercise and, and making sure that we're you know looking after ourselves to enable us to to, to look after teams and, and to help people but I think in in terms of 
when it comes to sort of challenging situations and helping people to cope in your mindset, I always recall that there's a Winston Churchill quote, which is that, you know, no success is final and no failure is fatal. So I tend to not try and take the highs of performance too high. You know, when we have great days and people tell us our guests, which is lovely, they tell us the best hotels they've ever been to, for example, you you kind of can't get, you know, too high on your own supply, as they say. You, you yeah. don't want to sort of believe your own PR too much. And equally, when you have a, a difficult day, a challenging day, it's it's not that it's, a, you know, again, we talked about failure. It's not that it's a failure. It's just an opportunity to bounce back and try that again. So don't make yourself get too far down and don't let yourself get too high up. And um, there's another good analogy about being like a candle. You're just kind of constantly flickering. You know, you don't need to go, you don't need to go off like a firework celebrating things. And equally, you don't need to let your sort of source of energy go out. So just kind of maintaining that, that consistency, I think is hugely important. Yeah. You do like a quote, don't you? Yeah, it is. Still yeah. Feel it. <laughs> so do I, though. So do I. I um, I think uh, you came up with some crackers in our chat. Uh, oh, there we are. I'm plugging it again. There we are. But anyway, um, Rachel, what uh, what tools do you use to to keep yourself in a, a good place? Yeah, really simple from my perspective. I have a busy family life going on outside of work, so um, I have to make sure that I'm very organised in the morning because otherwise. If, if I get to nine o'clock when I you know, switch on a computer or earlier if I can and it's been chaos, I am already in a really bad place for that day. And I think yeah. that's not fair on my team. So I, I do really try to start that, you know, I, I won't ever go to, to bed with there being mess in the house. I just can't bear it. So because it will be the first thing I notice in the morning and it will just put I have to deal with that before I can deal with anything else. And and that's not fair. So I'm very clean, very tidy, efficient. You know, I'll have a list of things that need to be done and it won't be a ridiculous list. It will be a really simple, you know, I've got five things I need to do today. Let me crack on it. Most of the time I won't get all of them done, but I will make progress. And that to me is a really simple way of going, okay, I am achieving, I am doing something. I'm Because things are coming left field all the time, you know, and things are always going to interrupt your day. That's That's what you do, you know, being in a leadership team or being a manager of a big team. You, you have to expect the unexpected every single day so I always have that list like actually if I can do these things it means I've done the basics that I need to do to be able to do my job and it gives me the time the rest of the day to facilitate that of others um so yeah I'm just hugely efficient um I do try and get out and about and get some fresh air but easier said than done at the moment isn't it really Phil <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely and Marco what what tools do you use to keep yourself in a good place so I was really um, happy to hear, obviously, a great insight from Rachel and especially from Chris that says um, something about Winston Churchill. Uh, he mentioned a quote. Um, I always say the price of greatness, as Winston Churchill says, is responsibility. So it's about realizing self-importance and that family should be your priority. Now, I live in London. I've been living in London for seven years. Obviously, I've got my family in Italy. I don't spend much time with them. But then at the same time, there are different tools that I use in order to ensure that my personal mindset stays the strong place. I share with them my success because at the end of the day, it's not about celebrating myself. It's about making my family proud of my achievement more than anything else and the team achievement as well. It's good to see a person that starts in a company and then after your training, you know, they develop and they're going to do exactly the same with their own family. So it's great to see people listening to your advice and then eventually become a better person in and out. I always uh, face challenges bravely. So if I find myself in a serious challenge or in a difficult situation, I always try to think positive and try to see and ask myself why I'm in that situation and how I can get through it by keeping myself motivated, uh, listening to music. Also, you need to seek advice from people that have got more experience than you. So today, by being surrounded by people that have been working in hospitality for definitely more years than me, I'm really inspired by all your insight and this is a lesson from me as well. Also, something else. Uh, I always pay attention to my words and thoughts because at the end of the day, even the words, you know, um, in your mind are the result of your action. So we really need to replace negative thought with some most, more positive ones to build a growth mindset. Uh, we need to replace judgment with acceptance 
and hate with compassion, if that makes sense. Also, uh, last but not least, we need to turn criticism around you and find it as a gift. So the powerful of criticism is make things better. So if someone else can see that you are doing from a slightly different perspective than you and might have some valuable suggestion for you, then you need to be open uh, to hearing suggestion and you can easily develop and grow your mindset. So these are all the little things that I do daily in order to keep myself motivated and to grow my mindset. Yeah, I, I love the seeking inspiration. That's something that I came to quite late, but actually finding out what inspires you keeps me in a, a really motivated state. And that can be as simple to as listening to music, a podcast, uh, I had to say that, of course, <laughs> or, you know, a TED talk or whatever it is, just, uh, you know, a movie, whatever, it's just some, something that keeps you in an elevated place that uh, that keeps your, uh, well, certainly keeps my mind in a, a good place to, to deal with things. And I, I, there was one thing, somebody taught me this, I'd, I'd love to say that this was my own invention, but it's not. One of my early men- mentors who we used to operate to an action plan in the business and he always said that when we've ticked stuff off in the action plan, we don't just delete it. That goes into its own, almost like a journal. So that on the days where you feel like you're not really making much progress, just open up the, kind of, well, you used to call it an achievement journal, and look at the progress that you've actually made. And you can actually apply that to your own life personally as well. It's not all about business. And I find that these, these things just remind me sometimes in my low moments that I'm I'm way better than sometimes I think I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally agree on that. There we are. Right. I think that seems like a, a lovely, positive and fluffy place to end it. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for, for your input today. I'm sure there's a, an awful lot more that we could talk about with this subject, but I absolutely value your input and, uh, and appreciate you giving up your time. Well, thank you, Phil. Yeah, thank you, thank Phil. Thank you very much, Phil. Pleasure. Have a lovely day ahead. Cheers, you too. Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye, Phil. I'm in. Today's episode of I'm In was brought to you by Cater.com and the Savoy Educational Trust and covered Mindset versus Experience with Marco Di Simone, AIH, Rachel Webster, MIH, Chris Wayne Wills, FIH and hosted by Phil Street, FIH. As always, a huge shout out to the IOH's very own Sonia Cresswell, AIH for artwork and branding and Leon Williams, MIH for the music. To say I'm in and feature on a future episode, contact phil.street at instituteofhospitality.org and to find out more about the Institute of Hospitality or to join our hospitality family, please click the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and join us next time where we'll be discussing future innovation. I